What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today, we are back with New Moon, New Book. Woo! After taking a little break for, you know, the summer, instead of doing summer reading, we are now back. So this is A Witch in Time, Silver Ravenwolf. And the book that we're going to talk about is To Ride a Silver, Silver Broomstick, New Generation Witchcraft, which I believe came out originally in 1993. So, Silver. Oh, yeah. Tell me all about her. Well, she's got more than 18 books done. One book called Teen Witch. She is the head of the Black Forest Clan. The Black Forest Clan has over 53 covens in 29 states, and there are three international. That's a lot. Kind of a big deal, I would think. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I feel like... Black Forest Clan is so American that I wish that I knew more people. Mm. Not because I'm like trying to be in Black Forest Clan, but right. I just feel like like if you're in the witchcraft community, you should know at least one person. That's like a lot of covens to not know one person yeah, on my end. But it's kind of like Fight Club, right? When you're in a coven, you don't go around That's disclosing yeah. that you're in a coven. Rule number so, one, don't yeah. talk so, about Fight Club. Yeah, I think that if there was somebody, we wouldn't even know. They wouldn't even say it. <sighs> If you know me and you're in Black Forest Clan, can oh, you just tell go. me? You don't have to tell me anything about it. Just I just want to – I feel like that's clout. I want to be like, yeah, I know somebody in Black Forest Clan. <laughs> well, you know, I always start with a quote. Yes. I have a quote. I have mm-hmm. no idea where I got it from. I don't know what part of the book it's from. <laughs> so all I know is that I have a quote that I liked, and it's the first thing I wrote. So I'm going to just go with it. Okay, with no context, because I have no idea where it came from. Its focus, what's it? I don't know. Its focus is on the single person, often called a solitary, and how they can practice both the science and religion of the craft, whether they belong to a group or not. I understand why that is the quote that you picked. Yeah. I get the vibe. Yeah, I, I feel like this is also the vibe of the entire book. I agree. Right? And I think it also pretty much goes in line with the things that we've said. You know, it is a science, it is a craft, and you can do it alone, you can do it in a group. So, yeah. you know, she's already coming at this from uh, a perspective that we pretty much feel like we know. We know this vibe. Yeah. You know? Um, the next thing that she talks about are the principles of beliefs that were written in 1974 by the Council of American Witches. She has them in the book. So anybody who's thinking about getting the book, as we keep going on with the book, you might want to read it. We are going to dedicate a podcast to it, so we're not going to discuss it now. None of it. There is so much that we want to talk about that it needs its own episode. I almost feel like to discuss it, I need to be wearing, like, a black caftan or, like, muumuu. Because I I think about Sabrina, not Sabrina, Samantha in Bewitched, and every time she went to the Witches Council, that's what she wore. So I feel like I need a frock like that when we discuss the podcast. So maybe I'll have one by then. I don't know. But when we We discuss it, yeah. Um, we're going to so make here, that happen. We're going to make it happen? Yeah. I like that. I like that for me. <laughs> so this book is very hands-on. It's one of the things that I like about it. I think we've always said, well, I don't know if you, how you feel about the book. I'm going to ask you in a second. But one of the things that we've in the past have always liked about books are the ones that don't just like talk at you. The yes. ones that stop and go, hey, you know what you could do right now? Write this down. Go do this and see how it feels for you. So I really like that. I feel like this book is probably, and this is something that I was going to say in the beginning and I didn't. I feel that this book is kind of like 
modern day, even though, you know, Raymond Buckland was still writing and doing things, but I feel it's almost like it has like a newer vibe to it, a newer vibe yes. to the same things that people were doing in the past. Absolutely. Right. So that's what I like about it. So I almost feel like anybody who picks up Cunningham and, and Buckland and maybe isn't vibing with it and goes, I don't know about this. This one might do it, except we're going to see some things where it's also very dated for 1993. But it's yeah. starting to get to we're looking at a witch in time. We're starting to see how the next generation of leaders, the next, you know, we think about mentors yeah. like Buckland, you know, the next generation is coming out and writing things slightly different, but still keeping with the vibe. But what did you think of it before we keep going? What did you think of this book as a so, whole? So I have to admit some things to the podcast and to you. Okay. So, so first things first, when I was starting in witchcraft as a practice, um, the community that I was involved with was incredibly anti-Silver Ravenwolf. Mm-hmm. She's a fluffy bunny. She's, you know, n- her shit isn't good enough. So I have always been very like, she sucks. She's terrible. I hate her. Um I have never read one of her books before. (laughs) So now I feel like an asshole because I read this book and I was like, oh, um, I kind of like it. Mm -hmm. Like there's there's definitely stuff in it that makes me go, "Eh." like, I wish you didn't do that. But the way that it's written, the content that she provides, the end of each chapter has a series of like suggested reading books. Mm -hmm. This this book is is a good book. Yeah. It I, I I would like to personally apologize to Silver Ravenwolf for hating her without ever reading any of her texts cuz that wasn't fair and uh, I wish I had read this sooner. Okay, so I also didn't read this even though I'm the one who chooses the books. Um but this time it was Gemini who said, "You know who we have to read." And I went, "Oh, we have to." Lord. So and I agreed. I said, "Yeah, it's very important." Um you know what? I don't remember when she was first mentioned to me, this mm-hmm. idea. But it, I always felt like she was the equivalent of Judy Bloom. Judy Bloom's books for, yes. you know, young people who identify as female, you know, kind of like these are the books that are going to get you through life. You yes. grow up with Judy Bloom. And I kind of felt like by the time I realized who she was, I was not in that demographic. And again, yeah. I don't think that this book is for that demographic, even though we chose to release this in September, which is back to school. But I think that if there was a young witch in my life, like a teen, even though she's got a book called Teen Witch, this is probably the book maybe I would have given to them if yeah. I knew about her back in the 90s. Again, there, there are probably other things that I would give them now. But back then, I think that this would have been, like I said, a good book because it's it sticks to the same type of idea of some of the older books but yeah, I also had this vibe of like, yeah, she's just like a Judy Bloom. I don't need to read this. But I agree with you. I don't think that it's something you should ignore. Of course, we're going to talk about the things that are yeah, troubles. that we don't like. <laughs> right. So she talks about the human interaction, right? About yes. being in a coven. But I, what I like about what she says is that she makes it very personal, right? You can be in a coven or not. And... Mm-hmm. Look for things like, do you like how the person is teaching you? Yes. Do you dislike a fellow coven member? Look, when you're in a coven, if you don't like somebody, that's not going to work. Yeah. Period. Right? She's all for a year and a day. Yeah. There's so much content in the book that, like, I this is very much an introductory book, but it's also 
an introductory book that was written much closer to where we are. So, like, some of the things that she included weren't talked about in, you know, Buckland or, you know, even as far back as Gardner. Like, all of these new uh, practices, these new witchcraft practices that, you know, I know about probably from drawing down the moon Mm -hmm. that somebody could get interested in. Or this idea that the Wiccan witch and a some other kind of witch are different things. Like, that's a new concept Mm. for the time that she's writing it. So it was really interesting to be like, yeah, this is a starter book, but it's a starter book for the new generation. Yeah, and I think it's a starter book that empowers you. Not that the others don't, because I think they do as well, but the ones that we've mentioned. But, um, for example, new generation of witches. That's what she calls people who are starting out. Not newbies, not witchlings, which I think is really good because... I feel like when you say witchling, unless somebody likes it, and they've chosen to use that term, that I'm all for it. But I would never call somebody that because I feel like it's disrespectful to that person and their path. So I would never say, oh, you've only been doing this for six months, you're a witchling. Like, no, that's that's rude. So the fact that she says new generation, like, I like that because it's just saying, like, yeah, you're just the next in line for whatever, you know, so so I like that. Another thing that she says, I mean, she discusses mixing. We're going to get to that. I'm just trying to go, like, chapter by chapter a little bit until we get to, like, the stuff we really want to get into. She also says at one point, remember that no matter what type of witch you you grow to be, you are a representative of all the witches in the eyes of the general public. And I think that has been, that just really hit when I read it, Mm because that has been, I think, a major problem, right? I think it's part of the reason why so many of us are in the broom closet, because what one witch does, that's it. We it, all do. We all do. So you have to break through that time and again when people are like, oh, so do you make sacrifices and do you do this mm-hmm. and do you do that? And you have to go over it. And then they'll meet another witch and they're like, oh, no, 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 because I do this. And then, oh, that other person was lying to me. Because, of course, it's easier to believe the bad than to believe the good. Yes. I loved the story she did. And I think this is the first chapter or maybe the second chapter. Um, where she sort of had, she has these sections in the book of like, get a notebook and do this and do yes. that. She, one of the sections is get a page, write what the word witch means to you, what the word witchcraft means to you, and what, like, how does that, how do you embody that? How does that exist in your life? And I think that that is such a powerful thing for a person to do and to keep doing in their witchcraft practice. Um, we got a message you know, that was, I mean, just hit me in the face. That was like, it kind of feels like you guys are trying to find a definition of witchcraft. And I think that 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 has been kind of a process that we've been going through. And our definitions have changed just in the three years that we've been on the podcast, not even discussing all of the time that we've been doing this our whole lives. So the idea that in a starter book, in like the first chapter, she's telling you, hey, just like, sit with this and figure out what it means to you. I wish somebody had told me that when I was 16 years old. You know, how much more grounded and how much more centered would I be if I was able to come back to that every year or every couple of years to be like, what does this actually mean to me? You know, what stinks (laughs) is that we don't have a council. To tell us stuff. 
One, yeah. one of the great things is we don't have a council to tell us. Yeah. Right? But the reason I say it stinks is because, yeah, I think we are, and I think most of us are looking for that definition. Yes. Just because for ourselves. And like you said, it, it's helpful if somebody kind of gives you the permission, somebody who's as established as she is. Yeah. To give you the permission to say, hey, hey, stop freaking out. What does this mean to you? This is about you and your journey. And I yeah. think that's so important. It's such a wonderful way that she introduces people to it. But also that idea of you represent all witches. And I think it's not just witches, you know, as somebody who, and I'm trying to decolonize mm-hmm. or re-indigenize my life. I have a problem calling myself Latina. The, mm-hmm. the older I get, the more, because I'm not that. That is a comfortable way to just group everybody together. And I feel that yeah. everybody from Latin America has such rich and beautiful cultures. Then when you say Latina, yeah. you are erasing every single culture and it just becomes one big mishmash. And I think that's so disrespectful to us as individuals, as individual cultures. At the same yeah. time, you know, it can be a very wonderful thing to say Latina because you are saying, this is my family. These are my cousins, right? Um, yeah. So it's kind of like this weird, I hate it, I like it. And I think it's the same thing with witch, right? When I represent myself and I say my last name and I say it the proper way, rolling my R's and everything, I am letting people know I'm part of a community. But that also lets people know, now I have to be my best because I'm not going to be judged on what I do. I'm gonna, It's going to represent everybody, mm-hmm. right? So this whole idea when she wrote it about witch... I was like, damn, I've been doing this my whole life, you know, feeling that I have to represent everybody, which is really unfair. Yes. Um, But it is something that I think is good that she wrote just to keep it in the back of everybody's mind. You know, you can make you can stumble along the way and you can figure out who you are. But I think letting the world know, in a sense, like you really have to know before you let the world know, because you are going to affect not just how people see you. They're going to see everybody. Why are you laughing? So, well, I've been thinking while you're talking, and um, it really puts me in the, it validates my already held opinion that, like, social media is really bad. Um, Because there's a difference between being a witch in your community and being a witch online. And it's so much easier just in your, you know, with the people you know in your local area to be sort of seen as the the good witch, air, air quotes, right? Like, oh, she's a witch, but she's not like our stereotypes, because you can interact with other people and show them who you are and create relationships where that's not what you're doing online. Right. You're being consumed when you put out any media. And I mean, even us, what we're putting out on Witchspace Instagram is as authentic as possible, but it's never going to be our real lives because we're capturing a moment. The consumption of your identity unfortunately, is going to represent a population much higher, much more than it is in just your community. In your community, you can explain things, you can build relationships. You, it's not, that's not what's happening on the internet. Sometimes we get lucky and we're able to really bond with people online, but for most people, it's like a, it's like a dine and dash. Like they're coming in, consuming your content, making assumptions, and then leaving and not coming back. So it's important to be I think, careful about what you're putting online. First of all, you know, especially as for young people, like don't, don't get groomed by a pedophile, like don't talk to strangers. But 
even for adults, like the, the person that you're putting out there should probably represent your moral standing more than it should your aesthetic standing because your aesthetic can be mis and, and will can and will be misinterpreted for the stereotype that a person finds the most comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I really have a lot of respect for the witches who are trying to be helpful on social media. You know, um, I like to watch videos on TikTok. I don't participate in TikTok. Um, yeah. Mostly because before I participate in social media, I like to get a handle of what's happening. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'll post. I remember any social media I did, I would post one thing and then just sit back and see, you know, what are the rules here? What should you do here? What? How do you function here? And let me see. And all I see is toxic people on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean the I don't mean the people. Well, I don't follow anybody who's toxic. I'm saying the responses they get, and I see these witches trying to give responses and. You know, they're working so hard at trying, and I and I, I get it. They're trying to let everybody know the real deal, and they're trying to let, and again, I'm talking about the witches I follow. I don't know what else is going on. I'm not going to start saying names, but um, but the hate that some of them get. It's a lot. Where I'm just like, you know, I almost want to, like, message them and say, just stop. Like, it's why are you doing <laughs> this to yourself? No, why are you doing this to yourself? Like, I yeah. feel bad for you. I don't even know you, and I feel bad that you're coming on here, and they're handling it beautifully the ones I follow, but I'm just like, oh, wow, again, someone Mm -hmm. has to be this nasty or like you look in the comments and you go, what, uh, why do they bother, you know, to do this? So I take my hat off to the ones that are still trying and that are still, you know, doing it. But I see a lot of the people that I follow aren't posting as much as they used to. Some people have just faded away and I think it's just, it's too much because you have this idea. And and I think people, people, I think are going on social media, especially TikTok, just to spill hate. Just to hate on other people, and I, I don't know. Get we a, probably should have an episode on witch talk at some point. Okay. Probably, I think that's uh, that can of worms is big enough yeah. to talk about. I would love <laughs> to have one of the people maybe that I follow on witch talk to talk, you know, because there's yes. two people in particular that I really enjoy. And I haven't seen as much. And I, I have a feeling that it's probably because of that. It's probably just, you know, too much. Too many people yeah. on there just being so negative when they're just trying to, I don't know, just educate and inform and, hey, get to know me. Like, see, this is what I am. Like she says, you represent all witches. So, hey, here I am. Kind of like. Yeah. And then they're just getting this garbage thrown at them. Like, why should they stay? You know? But, Agreed. yeah, maybe. Maybe at some point we'll do that. So. Chapter three, she goes into magical jargon, which is a dictionary of witch words. I loved that because there are so many words that I wish I would have known. Like That I like had to piece together. Like I have, I never, I mean, I didn't like learn this right now, but there was a very long period of time where I didn't understand the idea of the Akashic records. Oh, okay. It would just be told, it would just be said and I'd be like, oh yes, Akashic records, of course. But I, I didn't know what it was. So I just love, I love that it's like literally magical jargon, literally these are the words that people are using and here's how they're using them because there's kind of an assumption in the community that like, oh, you know this stuff already. Yeah. And some of this, like they all come from different sources. They're all used by different people. Like this, this is a great tool. This is useful as hell. And that's something that is not in the other books that we've talked about. Yeah. So I'm not going to say they're not out there, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. I liked it a lot. And then we get to the next chapter, which I oh think is pretty God. new for, especially yeah, 1993, 1993, right? Religion versus science. 
And it's like, oh, yes. She talks about examples of what the science of witchcraft is, like telepathy, spell casting, divination, astral tra travel. That's all the science. And we've talked about that, how spell casting is a science. Like you have to yeah. write down what you do, write down the results, what didn't work, do it again. It has to, if it's going to be good, it's got to work the same way every single time. I did not love the way this chapter opens because I think for a new practitioner, when you call something science, it kind of, it gives a different like emphasis Right, to somebody who's not in witchcraft, when you say science, you're thinking like, okay, physics, chemistry. So for her to put science in air quotes in the third paragraph, I was like, you probably should have like explained that a little better from the jump. Because now it's like, oh, what do you mean? Like we say science, but we mean it in the sense of like the scientific method. Right. Not in the sense that like this is actually like you're going to go to school and get a PhD in telepathy. Right. Like, right. So it was a little... It was a little, like, clunky, I think, the way that she explained it. But I do – I thought it was a very hot take for her to be, like, most people are attracted to the craft, not for religious content, but for its scientific and technological allure. I think she's right. I think most people come to witchcraft because they want to do spells and shit. Yeah. I also like that she says, science tells us that the human mind, if programmed properly, can accomplish astounding feats. Witchcraft teaches that same concept. Ooh, can let's talk about programming. Okay. Because that is the most 90s thing. And it, she yeah. references it multiple times in the book. And it's like so 90s, this idea of like, I'm going to listen to the self-help tapes and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to program my mind and I'm going to like, it's going to make my brain work on the right wavelength. Like that's such, I'm just imagining like, like a dude in a suit driving to work with a cassette tape playing, like, positive affirmations kind of vibe. Um, it's one of those things where in 2021, I'm like, I would, I would like it to be said another way. I think that the concept holds, but it just feels, like, weird to be like, program your mind. Like, you're really just aligning yourself and your desires and the way that you think with a more healthful and person-centered approach. Like, programming feels, like, culty. It gives me, like, Scientology vibes. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I don't love, but, like, the I, the concept that she describes is good. Right. It's just the, not, the most 90s way to say it. Yeah. It's, it's, this book is very 90s. It's a little well, bit of a time capsule. That's why we say a witch in time, because we have to yes. always consider the time that something was written. It's not bad. It's not bad advice. You could definitely read yes. it. I mean, we've even read Gardner, so it's not like you yeah. can't go back. But I think you have to take it for when it was written, yes. because if not, you could get upset. 2021, looking back at something in 1993, you can get upset or just say, oh, I don't. Take it for when it was written and take the good. Take the stuff that really is going to work for you. Yeah. And she says that. She goes, you've got to accept um, what is acceptable to you, not what another witch yes. tells you. So I like that she puts the onus always on the person reading this. You are the witch. You have to make decisions. You can learn from everybody. But at the end of the day, what are you going to take? Yeah. Right? Um, which I love that. I love empowering people and letting people know from the very beginning, like, you've got this. You don't need somebody else. Um, you can do this. So I love that. Um, it is a very empowering book. Yeah. You know, she says that you you can't rush to do things right away because you will fail if you don't think about the beliefs behind them. 
And I think we've seen that as well, right? Mm-hmm. Which is running to the internet to download a spell and doing it. And it's like, no, 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 no. You know, who are you as a witch? Why did this witch mm-hmm. put this together? Do you understand what she's doing behind all this? Does it make sense to you? Like, if you don't have a practice and you don't do that, and then the spell went wrong, and you're like, oh, God, yeah. It's like, oh, you're surprised that the spell went wrong? You didn't understand any part of it, and then no. it didn't work? Huh. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I, I, uh, I've had to deal with you... that twice recently with somebody Ooh. coming to me. Cause they and both times mm-hmm. they told me they weren't gonna go back to the internet. Yeah, you know oh, them. They did it, and they oh, did no. it. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. Third time's a charm. The third time, I don't text you back. If you continue to download, spe- you know, download. I don't know why mm-hmm. I say download. Take spells off the internet. At some point, you're gonna have to be responsible for this. I'm not going to yeah. keep telling you stop doing this and build your practice because you are a powerful witch and you've got this. But you know. So then she also has you write down, getting back to this, religion, oh, yeah. science, and religion versus science, and to fill out everything you know and you feel about all three. And I think that's awesome. I love that. Delicious. Right? That I love every, and I, I've been, I love the way you read the books and take notes and I read the books and take notes because you have like a little like notepad that you're like diligently writing things and I like highlight the text and write the notes in my text so I've got these little post-it notes where I've got a list of all of the times she tells you to write in the notebook <laughs> and like what page it's on and what she asks you to do. Because mm-hmm. I want to try these. Because that religion versus science one, like one of the big things that happened in the late 90s, early 2000s was this push towards um, <laughs> science woo is what I call it. Where like spiritual people were all about like we are stardust and like we're the universe and all of that. Um, and as a, a literal... <laughs> Like a science with an a science, as a person with a literal science background, that always kind of rubbed me a weird way. But I, I never sat down and did well. What is religion and what is science and what is like? Come on, I feel dumb for not thinking of that. So I just want to work through all of the, the dupes that she puts in there, because <laughs> there's it's so clever and insightful, and I just wish I had thought of it. Yeah, well, that's why we have, you know, teachers like her. Yeah. Um, she discusses the Sabbaths. We don't have to go on with that. And then... Can we? Oh, yes. Really? Yeah, yes. can we take a minute to discuss the the thing that really rubbed me the wrong way? Yeah. So in Religion versus Science and moving into the Sabbaths as well, Silver has this very kind of vehement anti-Christian language throughout the book that I find very uncomfortable because she doesn't ever come out and say, I hate Christianity. So it it ends up feeling like she's encompassing all of these other religions. Um, One Mm. that really stuck out to me that like stuck in my craw. She goes, learning to honor other positive religions is part of your study. What's a positive religion? What what does that mean? What does honoring mean? Right? Like, she, there's one quote, and I don't know what chapter it's in, where she's talking about deities, and she's like, uh, cowering in front of deities is not a part of the practice, and if you're going to grovel at a deity's feet, this isn't for you. And it's like, bro, first of all, I, I mean, I don't work with, I do not 
work with deity. That just personally for me, that was like, ugh gross they don't say it like that because there are going to be people out there who are like my practice is specifically going to be worshiping and not quote-unquote working with but also it's 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 like preconceiving a notion for the readers of your book that specific types of deity interaction are simply unacceptable and I think she spends so much time saying everything should be for you, you need to do what feels good for you, but then this is the one thing. She's like, no, you have to do it this way. Um, There's no other options. If you want to do it a different way that you're more comfortable with, actually, fuck you. And I don't like it. Yeah, especially since you already know her bent, or you think you know her bent based on what she's writing about Christianity. I think back to my mother-in-law, okay, who is in Spain who is a devout Catholic who likes to go to church and she likes to pray. Now, when she prays for the health of her children and her grandchildren, is that considered groveling to silver? Because this is her way. This is what she understands as communication with something, a being that is higher than herself. So I don't see it as groveling as it is respectful. Yeah. I'm not Catholic, but I see that. And I think that that works for her. It brings her joy. It's about love. Um, so the negative here is what exactly? Like, I don't see the negative. Is it the kneeling? Do you have a problem with the fact that people kneel when they pray? Because, like, you don't have to. You don't have to kneel. And she can't anymore, I think, because of her knees. I think she just sits. So it's not like somebody is behind her forcing her on the ground. I mean, nobody forces you. If you have limitations and you don't want to kneel, right? I also think when we think about kneeling, I think about uh, casting a circle, or mm-hmm. the way we point or the way we move our hands in ceremony. It's supposed to get us in that vibe, right? We live in the mundane world, and now we're going mm-hmm. to the sacred space. So the same thing with church. When you kneel, you are getting your body, right? Your body and your mind to be one, to understand mm-hmm. that you are in a sacred space. You can sit in your car. You can sit waiting for the bus. But when do we kneel? We don't, really. So when you're kneeling, yeah. it's a different mindset. That's how I see it. I don't see it as groveling. And again, this is from somebody who has never been Catholic, but I've been to church with relatives. I I don't see it that way. I see them getting themselves into the mindset. And I think for somebody who understands ritual, the idea that you can't understand maybe going to church and that this is ritual. Yeah. It's the same thing, you know? I I agree completely with everything you've said. You know, so that did bother me as well. And I actually, um, (laughs) I, I, uh. I marked it as well in my book because I just thought, really? Sniveling? Yeah. She used the word it sniveling. Was, who's, who's sniveling in front of deity? I don't know any religion that does that. It's very condescending. Yeah. And that really just kind of took me out of the moment because most of the time I'm sitting here like, I think I like Silver Ravenwolf. Like it was like a shocking, like awe-filled experience for me. And yeah. then we got to the condescending parts and I was like, oh no, no, wait. she's still messed up a little bit. Yeah, I I really, if somebody knows of a religion that snivels in front of their deity, please let us know, because maybe we're wrong. Please tell me. I mean, maybe we're wrong, right? I I would like to to be educated if that's the case. I I just don't see it that way. Um, And the worst part is her advice on deity in Chapter 6 is actually uh, pretty good otherwise. It is. I think think she does a great, um, I don't personally do the Wiccan like, uh, First, there's the all, and then there's the god and the goddess. But I think she does a great explanation of that concept. 
she straight up tells people do not mix pantheons when you start your practice, which like, I wish more people were hearing that right now. I also think that it's good that, like you mentioned, that she talks about the all. She talks about the force, right? Yes. Um, Because I think too many people who aren't part of witchcraft believe that we are worshiping gods, right? That these are our gods. And I don't think they they get it that for most, not just Wicca, even before I I studied Wicca, um, I always understood that there is just one creator and it's something that we cannot even conceive of. Because mm-hmm. it's not a thing. It's a thing that isn't a thing. And how do you even grasp to come to that? And I think that a lot of religions have these, you know, other things in place. You know, when you're talking yes. about Taino, you're talking about the ancestors, the Semis. You know, they're not gods. Mm-hmm. But when they were written about, they were written about as gods, you know, because people didn't know how to explain it. And then the same thing comes with witchcraft. You know, when we talk about our gods and goddesses, oh, you worship gods. No, there's only one god, but... These are the people that will represent different facets that I want to work with, that I feel comfortable with, right? So I I, I agree with you. I think she did a great job with that. I'm also ride or die for her including um, thought form deity in a 1990s text because I'm bitter about one time somebody told me that thought forms didn't count as deity and um, fuck you, my guy. They do. And... Here's the reference that I'm going to pull out next. I'm not going to pull this out. That's You can't pull that out with regular people. But still, I was right. You were wrong. Boom. I like that she says, with these gods and goddesses, we learn to channel our energy in a specific direction for a specific purpose. Why do I love that? I love that because I think for people who are starting to work with deity, why do you want to work with a specific god or goddess? Mm-hmm. Right? What energy do you want to channel for yourself? Before you go into uh, into anything like that. And it's not till later she talks about self-help. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Because I was going to say, you know, one of the great things about this book, and I almost feel the self-help stuff should have come before. You start yeah. thinking of which deity. Because, you know, she goes through, I guess I'm just going to talk about it now. She goes through, you know, the steps of you've got to be okay before you start this stuff. So maybe you need some self-help tapes, yeah. books, apps. I even wrote on there, if she was writing this today, she would talk about self-help apps, right? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, Headspace get, for headspace. meditation. Yes, exactly. You know, figure out. Um, you want to start this practice as mentally healthy as you can be. Yes. Um, because yes. this will amplify. Witchcraft will amplify who you are. It's yes. not going to make you a stronger person. If you are a neurotic person, it will probably make you more neurotic, Right. In the beginning, anyway, until you figured out that you need to work on yourself. So I feel like that should have come before deity because I I feel like a lot of people, their names, right? Like everybody wants to be a priestess of the Morrigan. Do you really? (laughs) Do you know the mythology (laughs) of the Morrigan? No. Do you really? (laughs) I mean, seriously. So I think if you figured out who you were and why you were attracted to the Morrigan, was it a real reason or were you Mm -hmm. just feeling incredibly helpless? Yeah. Um figure that out sort yourself out a little bit first none of us are perfect right we're all gonna our mental health is gonna suffer at different times and we're always gonna have to come back to it so i think it's a good thing if you're gonna start out as a witch to start working on your mental health right because it's gonna be something you have to work through throughout because it's important for this 
I uh, I mentioned on the Instagram and some people actually asked us to talk about, so this might be something we talk about in the future, but I went to a human design um, course, yeah. like workshop at Modern Druid um, run by Brynja Magnuson, which was wonderful. And one of the things that she told us when we started the workshop was that human design is not about changing yourself. It's about knowing yourself. And I think that is something that witches need to hear more often because so often you see people in witchcraft trying to fundamentally change who they are when in reality, accepting who you are will lead you to the place where you feel content and confident and safe and powerful. You can't like, like thinking about, do you want to be a priestess of the Morrigan? Are you actually a warrior? Are you, are you actually a warrior or are you a person who feels that the only way to be strong is to be a warrior? Because if you can accept the power that you have in your own self, the self that you are right now or even at your worst, you can be strong. You don't have to be a warrior. You don't have to fight and kill and win. And that's something I think that I'm kind of coming into right now is sort of you you hit 30 and all of a sudden like your life lines up but i there's i can't change me right i can change my habits i can change my behaviors but i can't change me and so why am i going to fight with me it's and i like that silver kind of frames this as manifestation affirmation self-help that it's about using that horrible 90s word programming it's about aligning the way you think with your energy and with the things that are going to bring you contentment it's not about changing yourself it's about changing your habits and your negative thought patterns you know i i think that society has done so much to just harm us mentally physically whatever okay preach um when i go to the doctor i'm looking at you know, am I healthy? Yeah. I am not looking at, oh my God, I have to be a size zero. Can you help me be a size zero? Like, no, am I healthy? Is, am I eating something I shouldn't? Am I doing something I shouldn't? Um, what has happened? You know, and then, and the same thing with mental health checks, right? What am I doing to make myself as, as healthy as possible? Not to fit some mold the society has told me I have to fit into. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately... We've all been programmed, and we're programmed since we're little. No matter what our parents tell us or our friends tell us, mm-hmm. you still have these, you know, these things, whether it's social media, television. Before there was all this, there were magazines. There was always somebody telling you what you had to fix about yourself, not about making you the best version of you, mm-hmm. but to make you different from you. And oh. that has hurt so many people in so many ways. I saw this amazing TikTok of this girl and she the premise was like she was showing pictures of before she um did like specifically glamour shadow work like working through her relationship with her body and then after she did it and the change in her face was insane it was still the same face but she was just clearly happier and when you looked at those pictures you could see she looked prettier when she was happier People think that they have to change the things, but in reality, simply being content with yourself is going to give you the aura of confidence, the aura of beauty, the things that you're looking to magic to fix. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it was fun. It made me want to, like, do glamour shadow work, and then I was like, eh, I'm a little lazy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, What else does she talk about? Anything else on pantheons you want to mention? Um, Um, Oh, there is something I wanted to mention. Oh, damn. Yes. Okay. So she says that, you know, if you're working in a coven, you're going to work with the pantheon that the coven is working with. No, duh. Yes. But if you're solitary, you have a choice. And then she lists a bunch of things. She says, you know, Nordic, Greek, Roman, Native American, Mayan, African. What? Yeah. Okay, so I have a slight problem with this because if if your people do not come from the Mayan pantheon, why are you appropriating that? Yeah. Okay, I don't want to see a bunch of people talking about my semi-ancestors when their people come from, I don't know, Norway. Like, no. Yes. So the fact that she mentions that and thinks it's okay for people, how about the fact that so many people are settlers, they're just going to pick up Native American things? I just, I no. I See, I have a big yeah. problem with that. But again, 1993, I guess people weren't thinking that way. I don't know. Well, and later in the book, she talks about how for dreaming, she uses the Australian Aborigine method of requesting Sister Swan. And I'm just like, yeah, don't, no. don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. I think that especially in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was this idea that you could pick up anything. You could pick up any part and put it into your practice. And like, I understand where this comes from and I understand why people think it. Um, it wasn't until later, you know, probably the 2010s that I even started hearing about closed practices. And so I can understand that a lot of people don't quite get what that means. Right. Um, in, in 1993, I think in 2021, we've done a lot of work on that, but like, it's not, it's not to be mean, right? People aren't saying you can't use these because it's like, fuck you, we hate you and we want, I mean... Some people might be, but as a whole, it's not like, you know, you, we hate you and we don't want you to have good things. It's, we're trying to protect the, you know, genuineness and the longevity of our own practices. And I think as white people, sometimes we think we're doing things in a really like kind and like genuine way. And we don't take a step back to be like, do I need to be doing this? Um, I think I think about the way that people used to be like, I don't see race. I don't see race. Thinking that that was a kindness. Like, oh, no, I don't, I, I'm not that person. So much of what we white people do is kind of performative, but we don't realize it's performative. It's like picking up a Mayan god, it's kind of performative, right? Like, if you have a connection to this Mayan deity because let's, I'm being hypothetical right here because I don't know any off the top of my head. Let's say you're connected to the, the Mayan deity of like the earth. Why wouldn't you then also have a connection to the Greek deity of the earth or the Irish deity of the earth? Why are you not working with earth goddess as a concept? Why do you need to specifically be going to these closed practices that, again, are trying to be protected and renewed and strengthened when you can get the same thing, but closer to you. You working with a Mayan deity or an African deity doesn't make you less of a colonizer. 
Yeah. You, you, like, you don't get away scot-free. And when I think about what this country has done to Puerto Rico by having it as a territory, by experimenting on them, um, there was a doctor that, you know, injected cancer cells onto Puerto Ricans. There was a time period where they um, wouldn't allow people to speak Spanish, which was not the original language of the island, but, you know, it was the language they mm-hmm. had. So, you know, they stripped them. They wanted to strip them of that. They couldn't use their flag. Uh, they sterilized women. Um, they are still trying to go... I mean, they're building a hotel right now. They're trying to build a pool on protected land, land that um, courts have said is protected because of a particular mm-hmm. type of tortoise that's there. And people are fighting to keep these resources because we need these resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that we're a little protected, protective of everything then, including our spiritual yeah. practice. So, you know, yeah, it's not about keeping people out, but there has not been a history of respect for certain cultures. So, but you do want to take this and make it yours. Yeah, no, no. You hate me, you hate everything about me. So please leave my ancestors alone. And if you are coming into this practice, like so many people do, saying, oh, I just really respect, I just really want to honor. The way that you do that is by supporting the people who are, are doing the work and have been doing the work. If you really want to honor traditional, like Taino practice, Make a monthly donation to a Taino priest or to somebody who's doing the work to rebuild the religion, right? Like you can honor in a way that isn't taking. Or bring awareness to what's happening to these places. I would say I would love for people, if you really want to honor um, our traditions, then help us keep the land the way it is, right? Or not the way it is, better. Um, you know, bring awareness, you know, it, it doesn't have yes. to even be financial. If you have time to spread awareness of what's happening in Puerto Rico or Cuba or, you know, the Dominican Republic or, you know, any place, it doesn't have to be the Caribbean, any place that you really love, bring awareness to how the people there yes. are living and try to help them because ultimately Absolutely. everything that the Bejicas and the spiritual communities of the Caribbean are trying to do is to just help the community spiritually. So if you can help people with policy and letting, you know, leaders know how you feel, that that goes a long way too, you know. And that's that'll probably bring you one step closer. I'm not going to lie. I think that if I knew there was an advocate out there that was truly doing the work and they asked questions, I would probably tell them everything that I could tell them because I feel they come to me with complete honor um, and respect for the people, not just the religion. The religion is secondary. It would be the people first. I am on, uh, I'm not on, I don't post any videos, but I get a lot of videos on my feed from Native Talk. Mm -hmm. And I saw a girl post one that I thought was so funny. The song is like, um, I just want you to know it's not about you or something like that. But it's pictures of Shailene Woodley doing um, outreach and speaking out for the American indigenous peoples and being at pipelines and getting arrested. And basically them saying, like, this is the kind of ally that we want. Right. Right. If you're going to participate, fucking participate. Right. You don't get to consume our culture. If you want to participate, you need to be in our culture. I follow a guy on TikTok who is a white guy. And he says he didn't grow up knowing anything about Puerto Rico. And then he started to learn stuff. And he was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. What are we doing there? So what he does, he posts parts of history. Here's the thing. The fact that it's a white guy 
is probably going to go to listen. different people are going to listen. So do I appreciate mm-hmm. the fuck out of this guy? Yeah, because he's doing it because yeah. he's like, this is horrible. And everybody should know the horrible things that have happened and the stuff yes. that's happening now. He's not doing it because, you know, he wants I don't think he wants anybody necessarily to reach out to him. I think he just feels that what's happening is wrong. Mm-hmm. And out of that sense of what's wrong, he's posting. We'll see what happens, right? If he winds up getting a major, you know, book deal versus somebody who's been doing the same thing and is indigenous, that's a problem, right? Yeah. But until while it's just trying to help out, I think it's awesome. I think he's awesome. So we'll see. We'll see how far it goes. Well, now we're going into section two. I love okay. section two. It's very informational, which I love a book that is informational. Okay, so she talks a little bit about the triple goddess, the gods, the list of gods, the list of goddesses, and then we go right into section two, which I didn't even mm-hmm. realize that we were in section one before. So I was kind of like, okay, I don't yeah. know why it has to be split up into section two, but it is. And um, she talks about names and this idea of giving yourself a different name. Yes. Have you ever done that? Do you have a different so, name? I thought that I needed one. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like a rule. Um, I have a name. I don't use it. Yeah, me too. Um, I don't really even like it that much. Yeah. I honestly would love to do a podcast just about names because I have had such a weird relationship with names. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it separates you when you give another name to an aspect of yourself and I don't like that at this stage in my life. I want my entire being to be integrated. So while I don't think that like my I don't think that my real name is like particularly witchy, I don't want there to be a separate section of myself. I want it to all be Gemini all together. Well, I mean, you know what Silver's trying to say is you're entering this other world, right? You want to kind of like break ties with who you were before your way of thinking right you're going into this new Mm -hmm. practice so you want to have this idea of like you've left the old you here you are all in for this practice i think it helps in the beginning i loved the name Mm -hmm. i felt that it really talked about but see my name the name i chose kind of combined my past a little bit with where i was Mm -hmm. going to in my practice the thing is, my practice has changed since then. I don't feel my name fits me necessarily. So I don't use it. I feel like I'm just me and I think it's okay. Yeah. But I do like what she says. And I think for people who are like, okay, I really want to get into this. If it's going to help you, again, it's all about you, she said, right? Yeah. So if it's going to help you get there, then get another name. If not, yeah, I don't think it's necessary. And she even tells you how to get a magical name. Um, she also said that the name does not have to fit who you are at the moment. It could be where you're trying to go. It can be aspirational, yeah. So I think that in itself might be a good reason for somebody just starting out to have that name for a while. And then you can decide. I think that names are so incredibly personal. And I think about like how, you know, um, like a trans person picks a new name to validate the person that they are. Like, if you need a name, get a name. But don't feel like you have to have a name. Right. Absolutely. She also talks about, I don't know if it's here. I think we might have missed it. I mean, she's talking about the mental programming now. Yes. I think it might have come before. But she talked about at one point how some witches 
just use their minds, right? They don't actually need to use different things to do magic. And I think it's something that in the community as a whole, we kind of are like, nah, really? You just use your mind? And it's something my mother has always said. My mother says, you don't need any of this. Mm -hmm. Um, And she doesn't use it. So I thought it was interesting that this is probably, I don't know if it's the first book that I've ever read that. It might be, or at least it's one of the few. Let's just say it's one of the few. I think especially in modern books, people mention that. But I also feel like the community kind of treats it as like a joke. What? Like, oh, oh, yeah, like you don't need anything. You don't need anything. But then like everybody's out there buying crystals. Everybody's out there buying a wand. Yeah. Like, it's like we, we know it, but we refuse to admit it. Well, I'll tell you something. I have a wand um, that I've used very sparingly. And would I buy another one if it was pretty? I think it's kind of like, yeah. you know, do you need a crucifix in your house? Well, my grandmother had several. They're pretty. Yeah. So, you know, you don't need more than one. I don't need more than a wand. I don't probably don't even need a wand. Yeah. But I think that it is part of our our magic, maybe our history. And we kind of like like having some of the... The objects that make us feel closer to it. Yes. I don't know. That could be it. I agree with that. Very much so. So she talks about writing affirmations. Yes. Which I feel like has become mainstream. I think that even non-witches do that now. Which yeah. I love. Honestly, I'm cool with that being a mainstream thing. Like, please take that from us, normies. You need this energy in your life. Yeah. It's a whole self-improvement chapter is what she has. And it's really good. And some of the advice is great. Like, she's talking about the the self-help, like, CDs, which I think is funny. And she's like, don't drop over $30 on any one thing and don't buy the whole set. And I'm like, you know what, girl? Yeah. That's, like, very mundane, reasonable advice. Thank you for adding that. Because I would have just bought everything and then be like, I hate this, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then we get to my favorite part of the book. Mm -hmm. Creative visualization. So she takes you step by step on what to do. And my only thought when I was reading it was, are you planning to try this, Gemini? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the be a bug part, I don't love. but um, Yeah, I thought about that too. The whole idea of like looking at everything from the point of view of a bug. I thought, yeah, she's not going to do that. But just because you keep saying like, oh, I can't really visualize. I don't know. I thought, well, I I like the way she did it. It was a step by step. So definitely something to consider if you wanted to try it. And it's a very interesting way because it's it's very much not anything I've ever read before, the the manner in which she describes it's page eighty one if you buy the book. Um it's really it's it feels very clever. It feels like a very uh psychologically nuanced way to sort of trigger parts of your brain to remember information. So I just I liked it for a number of reasons. And I will be trying it. <laughs> Nice. I can't wait to find out how it goes. Yeah. I thought it was funny that she referenced um, Stephen, Stephen King and other authors have brought the reality of dreamscaping to the general public. Like, is that a thing? Um, I mean, I guess. I mean, he has done that in his books. So people, I think, you know, pop culture understands what that is. I weirdly know people who work in comics and i feel like every comic book writer is actually just a chaos magician why i don't know because i know a lot of them and i know that they're chaos magicians. oh okay i just feel like i the the vibe that i get is that all creative people are secretly witchy whether it's like on purpose or accidental yeah yeah i know what you mean 
Yeah, every creative person I've ever known has got something going on. Whether they're witches or yeah. not, there's something going on. Yeah. Is it witches or witch adjacent? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely magical. Yeah. Or open to it, anyway. Which makes sense, because you have to be kind of open to, like, get that creative juice flowing. I really like her description of sacred spaces. I like Mm -hmm. that she gives a bunch of different options. She is, of course, still very condescending. Um, That's just a thing that she does. You have to, you have to be okay with that if you're going to read the book. Um, I, her description of a stang, S-T-A-N-G, was very cool. It's like this wooden thing that you put outside your house. I really wish that she had told me what like path or what culture it came from. Is that like a a rural thing in America? Is it European? Like it just was very cool. Um, I know in Greek practice they have like a herm would go outside the house and it was like kind of Hermes but kind of not. There was also mm. a penis on it so I definitely will not be replicating that. Um, but it was sort of like a boundary marker um, sort of spiritually. The, the stocking your magical cabinet, I just like to be told what to do when I'm new at something. So I love the idea of just being like, hey, these are my suggestions for shit that you should have. Right. It'll help. Um, and just, you know, a nice list. I don't need you to go into the reason I need an altar cloth. I'm cool with the list. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm turning, I'm turning the book pages because I do not take notes on paper. Okay. I take notes in the book. The Once you get to the end of the book, this is very much like practices, like things to do. She's got right. a worksheet for her spells and rituals, which I think is very cool. You can copy that format into your working notebook if that's something that you want to. Um, chapter 12 I really liked because this is the, the fine art of magical record keeping. And the power of the written word I think is something that for me and my practice has been incredibly valuable. And we've talked repeatedly about writing things down and keeping a journal and, and keeping records. And so it was really nice. I almost wish that this was at the beginning. I almost wish this was like the first chapter because she talks so much about, um, you know, get this notebook and do this practice, blah, blah, blah. Obviously your book is centered on this idea of journaling and practicing and continuing. So Tell us that first. Right. Because it, it, it is valuable. It is helpful. I would like to you reshuffle should. the book, to be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I feel like the chapters are kind of out of whack, but good stuff. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, that's, I just really, that chapter, if you read nothing else, like take a minute and read that chapter because I do think it kind of re-validates the, the owning 17 notebooks for your witchcraft practice. Right. And then there's the third section is all about performing shadows. It's like how to do the work. Right. Did I skip anything you wanted to talk about? No. Cool, 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 cool. I like. I liked it. I did. I think. I liked um, the book. Yeah. You know, we got a message. I think it was on Instagram. Somebody who actually used a different book for their child or was was telling us that there are books for children that she liked. Yes. Um, and of course, we've always said, well, it's like an adult thing. But I think parents definitely, if you want to show kids. And I think that's why we said this one should be good for September, back to school. Anybody who's thinking, yes. you know, my teenager is interested. Um, and even though there are problems with it because it's 1993, you know that this is a person who knows their stuff. This is a tried and true witch. Um, yes. So... 
I think that knowing, even just knowing the little issues in it, I think it's a great book. If somebody was starting out, if they were a teenager or whatnot, I think it might, and they yeah. might laugh at some of the things too and go, that's so dated, but they'll, they'll get it, you know? Um, I just think that's a, overall, I think it's a really good book to get people started. I would do this as like a book club with my teenager. Oh yeah. For so sure. like read a chapter and then talk about it together. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that this book especially would work really well for that because it, it does have room for, it's so empowering to like, what is it for you to right. be able to be like, oh, well, how do you feel about it? What do you think? What do you want to do? Um, so yeah, I agree with you. I think that, I think we did a good job. I think we picked this for back to school for the wrong reason, Yeah. but it ended up being the right book. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, for parents who are wondering, well, you know, if I do this, Am I just as bad as any other person who's like forcing my kid into religion? And it's like, no, I think it's opening the door for them to decide if they think they groove with this or not. You know, my yeah. parents raised me pagan and I picked up Wicca along the way. And, you know, it didn't hurt me. It didn't confuse me. It didn't make me. I still questioned if what my parents, yeah. how my parents raised me, if that's how I wanted to stay. And I had, I gave it a lot of thought. I gave it a lot of reflection. And, you know, I thought about how I was going to work this. So I don't think giving your child any kind of religious, if you want to go the religious route or introducing them to the craft, I don't think it's going to hurt them. But I think you're right. Discussion with them. Let them know yeah. so that they know that they are actively choosing or not to yes. do something. And I think giving children a choice is always a good thing, you know, and make them you know, make them really responsible, know that they have to be responsible for themselves. And I think it's, uh, it's nice, you know, they get to test things out at home before they go out there, you know, so yeah, good back to school book, good choice. Yay, I did good. You did. Let's never read another silver book again. No, I'm kidding. You did. Honestly, I'm kind of like, I'm open to it. I'm open to other silver books going forward. I feel bad for being so against her for I feel like maybe it was misogyny I feel like maybe, maybe. that's what it was maybe I was like a ch- I was young at that point it might have been some internalized misogyny but that's why we have to read everything that's why we even tell people to read stuff that we don't yes. agree with you know read it like you have to read this stuff so you can make up your own mind and and see yeah. where you want to go so it's good to read everything we're going to be reading everything here so yes be, be emotionally ready. prepared for that yes Thank you so much to our audience for being amazing. Keep reaching out to us on the DMs, on email, send smoke signals. I'm obsessed with everything you send to us. It is my favorite part of the day. Um, Thank you to Sean McShane for our intro and outro music. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us. (laughs) 